Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 7. That is where I'm going to pull my primary text today as we really work to conclude our series, Family Matters. I hope that it has been a challenge to you, a blessing to you. I hope that through this that uh, there has been some truths and principles that have been gleaned from this that, that are helping you in your household and just begin to bring your family into agreement. That's really our hope and that's our heart through this series. If uh, Just a reminder to those of you who may have missed some of the series along the way. All of those series are available on our podcast, on our website, theriverag.com. You can go there. And, uh, and we are working uh, to eventually have those up and running on Right Now Media. So you can go directly to there, go to our River Channel, and then you can watch them from there as well. And so we've got a lot of good things that are happening, uh, and uh, just encourage you to pick those up and listen to those if you've not already done so. Our series text uh, is found in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and let's read that together. It says, but as for me, oh, come on, you can do better than that. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. That's a good good message, isn't it? That's a good scripture. That's a good, uh, good thing to have uh, covering over our home uh, today. And so that is really the heart of the series with each and every household that we are uh, allowing God to uh, cover our household and uh, to be the Lord over that household, strengthened by the word, fortified by the principles of that word. Last week we talked about overcoming, am I humming? Am I, am I good? Y'all can hear me good? Last week we talked about overcoming cultural challenges and how culture, how culture tends to creep into household and how we have to push that back and we have to fight against that and we have to live really counterculturally. Uh, and so we, we, we covered that last week and we talked about healthy communication, having stronger connections uh, with our families, showing deeper concern for one another and also building strong community Around us, those are all very important parts uh, of building the kind of household that God can bless and God can work in. And so, this morning, I want to continue on uh, talking about the fortified family, strengthening our family, fortifying our household, and, and keeping it solid against the winds of change and just the cultural attacks that are happening on, on homes and families. Our main text, Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty-four, it says, "Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine." And does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. And then it says in verse 26, But everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and great was its fall. We are not building our homes on shifting sands. We are building our homes on the solid rock of God's Word. Amen? 
And so here's the promise in Isaiah that goes right along with building that uh, house on the foundation of God's Word. It says in Isaiah 32, 17, and it's such a great verse, it says, The fruit of that righteousness, the fruit that comes from building your house on that solid rock, will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Somebody needs to grab a hold of that quietness piece for their household. Amen. I like for it to be a little quieter in my house. Verse 18 goes on to say that my people will live in a peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I like that promise, don't you? Amen. And so let me talk to you this morning about four things that are necessary to have that fortified uh, family, that strengthened uh, family that, that, that weathers storms, weathers opposition, weathers difficulties, weathers even culture. Uh, the first thing is this, that you have to know, we have to know our priorities. We have to know our priorities. Your priorities are important. You have to know what is your priority, what is important to you. The strength of the family comes from prioritized living. When we put things in order of importance and we work from that order and we operate in order. You know, through this series we've talked a lot about what? Order. We've talked about ordering our steps. We've talked about putting our house in order. We've talked about bringing order to different uh, chaotic situations. And again, here's this concept of order coming along. Again, because when we live prioritized and we live with priority living, then we are ordering our steps. We're ordering our direction. We're ordering how we even respond to difficulties as they come. Clearly defined priorities makes decision making easier. When I know what's my priorities and when I know what's important to me and when I know how I'm going to act or the order in which I'm going to act on certain things, then it makes it easier for me to make decisions because I know the priority that takes precedent over other things. And so I can make the right decisions if I know them. If I know my priorities, then most of the time I know how to act in a situation. Priorities create boundaries. And guidelines that guide me along the way. They keep me from veering off track. They bring me back to a place that it's important and place that I need to stay. It keeps me centered. You know, and I would say this to you. And, and you know, here's an example of prioritized living. Is that whoever lives in your household, whoever's under your roof, takes priority over someone who's not living in your household, right? I mean, that's just kind of some common sense stuff. I would also say this, that if you're married, your spouse is always... Somebody say always. always. Always your number one priority. They, they, they have to be considered in a decision before anybody else is. And should always be considered first before a decision is made. They are a priority over your kids. They are a priority over your family, other family, and they are a priority over your friends. Always. Always. Because that's the way God set it up. He says in Matthew 19, 5, and he said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to who? His wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let nothing come between that union. And so if nothing can come between that union, then it would stand to reason that that must be my number one priority. It must be the person that I considered above all else. The second priority that we have in our house is always our children. First, your children living in the home. 
And second, your children living outside of the home. Can I just say to you that too often times kids in the home suffer because of kids outside of the home? And we let urgencies, other people's urgencies, direct our decision-making process. Let me help somebody this morning. Somebody else's urgency is not necessarily your urgency. Just because someone has an urgent need in their life doesn't mean it's your urgent need in your life. And so you have to evaluate what your priorities are so that you can decide whether or not this is something that I'm taking on for myself or I'm not taking on for myself. Because so many times people come with an urgency and they come with a desperation and we'll sacrifice our priorities and we will forget about what's important to help try to meet that need. And that's a good heart, that's good intentions. But the fact of the matter is we have ordered priorities that we have to take care of and if it's detrimental to others in my household then I need to slow down a little bit, consider that and make a good decision. Now, if you're single, you're living on your own, the good news for you is you get to be your number one priority in your life. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? But, so enjoy it now because the fact of the matter is when your life changes, then your priorities have to change too. Here's the main point that I'm trying to make here is that don't let outside forces disrupt the flow of your home. Don't let outside environmental effects begin to disrupt your home. Don't let people outside disrupt the flow of your home. Be careful about who you allow to enter even into the atmosphere of your home. You know, think about this. Every time someone enters the atmosphere of your home, there's a disruption in that atmosphere. You know, whether they actually physically walk into your house or not, if someone interrupts that, and, and sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it has to happen, there, but there's always a disruption. And what we have to figure out is if, that, if that's good or bad, if it's healthy or unhealthy, and then we decide how we're going to act accordingly. You have to ask yourself, is it beneficial or detrimental? Is it healthy or unhealthy? When certain people come to my home, I don't know about you, I'm sure this is not... Not the way that you are, but when certain people come to my home, my Jedi training starts to kick in, and I feel this disruption in the, in the force. Do you? You know, some, some, there's like a there's, there's disruption in the force, and I can feel it in my, in my own spirit, and I'm thinking, man, what is going on? Now, some of you are, are less uh, spiritual probably than, than I am, or more, or more spiritual than I am, I should say. That's what I meant to say. Uh, you know, because this is the way our house goes, is that, uh, you know, you see somebody pull up to the yard that you don't really want to talk to. Everybody's shutting the TV off. We're diving into corners of the house. We're crawling through the house trying to... You know what I'm talking about. God, please don't let this disruption affect my peace. So you have to evaluate if that disruption is merited or unmerited. You know, listen, I'm talk, what I'm talking to you about is guarding. Guarding what you've been trusted with. Guarding what God has entrusted to you. And, and, and boy, I'm just, it's just a dangerous thing for me to say. But so many of us sacrifice what we've been trusted with because we have a, a heart of compassion. 
And I'm heart of compassion. Jesus was the master of compassion, right? I mean, so we want to model that and we want to be people that are compassionate. But we also want to be good stewards. And I'm saying to you there has to be a balance between the two. That you can't let compassion override what is best for what you've been entrusted with. My wife and my kids are my number one priority. And so I have to guard them above all other things. And then if there's still room for me to help somebody else or to work in the situation or us to partner together to help them and accomplish something, then that is fantastic. And that is what God intends for us to do. And that's what God wants us to do. But He does not want me to sacrifice them for the sake of someone else. And that's what I'm talking about. We have to evaluate whether it's merited or unmerited, whether it's detrimental or beneficial. And that brings me to my second point here today is that the second thing is that we have to protect our peace. Protect your peace. Psalms 122 and 7 says, Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. That there should be peace within your walls. That should be a retreat, a place of refuge, a place for me to go and get some relief from the world around me. And so protect your peace. Make sure that you're not allowing outside forces to create havoc in your home. And we talked about that really in the first point. And here I want to kind of shift a little bit and I want to talk to you about protecting your peace even internally. We understand about protecting our peace externally, I hope. But now we're going to talk about protecting it internally. Uh, The first thing that we have to do in our home is we have to guard our tongue. You want to protect peace in your household? Learn to guard your tongue. Does anybody ever have words hitting the back of your teeth? You know, you're like, mmm, mmm, something there. But you don't. Protect your peace. Guard your tongue. James 35 says this, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a... This is such a good... Example here, it says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also as a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. Don't start a forest fire in your home that you cannot control because of your mouth. Guard your tongue. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Y'all remember that song? Matthew 12, 35, Jesus says this. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Verse 36, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Guard your tongue. The second thing you have to do to protect your peace is you have to control your emotions. Control your emotions. Drama and theatrics are unnecessary. Amen. If you want to be dramatic, sign up for a drama class. That's how you get that urge out of your system. But being in the household is no place for that kind of stuff. There's never an excuse to be out of control. There's never any excuse to be out of control. Breaking things, punching holes in walls. I mean, I've heard some real tales of events happening. Getting physical. None of that stuff is acceptable behavior. 
Anytime our emotions get out of control, we have to evaluate the condition of our heart and mind. What is really causing that to happen? What is really the issue there? Because it may be something much deeper that is going on that needs to be addressed in my life. And then lastly, not to be redundant, but you protect your peace by protecting your priorities. It's the truth. If I will protect my priorities, I will protect my peace in the process. Make sure you're not introducing any unnecessary chaos into your home. Why, Why do we do that? Why do we introduce unnecessary chaos into our home? We have to protect our peace. The third thing is this, that we have to let forgiveness flourish. You want to have a fortified home, you better let peace or let peace be there. Let your priorities be in order, but you better let forgiveness flourish as well. Proverbs 10:12 says, "Hate stirs up fights, but love erases all sins by forgiving them." Matthew 6:14 says, "For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." How important is forgiveness? It's vital. It's vital. We've got to have it in our personal lives with everybody that we come in contact with, but you better have it in your home for sure. I better learn how to forgive my kids when they do something wrong. I better be able to forgive my wife and and my spouse when they do something wrong. I've got to be able to, to, to operate that way. If forgiveness is not a common practice in our household, then the household cannot last because unforgiveness creates fractures in the home that ultimately lead to its downfall. It creates division. And then Mark 3.25 is what happens. If a house is divided against itself, it will not stand. It cannot stand. So grace and forgiveness have to be extended to one another daily. 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 There's always something to be offended about. There's always something to get upset about. There's always something to respond to. But just because there's something to respond to doesn't mean we have to respond to it, right? right? But what we have to do is we have to operate in grace and we have to operate in forgiveness. And we have to pass that out at the same level and at the same rate that we want to receive it back in our own lives. So here's how you forgive. You forgive always. First, you forgive always. I want to always be forgiven, so I'm always going to forgive. That has to be the standard. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, it, Listen, if you want to be forgiven, then you've always got to forgive. Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. And so forgiveness is given, forgiveness is received. Forgiveness is not received if forgiveness is not given. And it has to be done that way. Not only do I forgive always, well, maybe. I forgive quickly. I don't wait. I don't simmer on it for days. I don't let it... Uh, settle on me for days at a time I'm going to forgive quickly I'm going to forgive instantly I refuse to hold on to unforgiveness and give it any place in my life so I have to let it go let it go why hang on to it why hold on to that stuff forgive quickly I don't know about you but I hate pressure and I hate uh, heaviness and I hate feeling like tension in the home does anybody I mean, some people actually like thrive on that stuff, but I'm not one of them. It really makes me upset. It makes me nervous. It makes me uneasy. I don't like it. And so how do we deal with that? We, we forgive quickly. We go and we work it out instantly, and we don't let it set for days upon days upon days, hoping that it'll just go away. You know what? 
Problems like that never go away. We can push them to the side. We can push them back. But if you don't deal with them, they still sit there under the surface waiting for the day when something else unlocks the door of them and they come flooding out in a later conversation. So let's get rid of that stuff. And then the last thing is we have to forgive preemptively. Whether they acknowledge their fault in it or not, whether you have a conversation about it or not, it doesn't matter. Whether they deserve it or not, doesn't matter. Whether they ask for it or not, doesn't matter. Just simply forgive and move on. Think about the story uh, in the life of Joseph and how important forgiveness was in that family. Joseph had a lot of reasons not to forgive his brothers, right? I mean, they, they uh, were jealous of him from the beginning. He was favored by his father. They had a reason to be jealous of him. There were some legitimate issues there going on. But they took it out on him. And, and long story short, you know what happened. They were planning on killing him. They throw him in a pit. And they plan on coming back later to kill him. Instead of killing him, fortunately, some slave traders come along and they just sold him into slavery instead of killing him. But years down the road, they find themselves in need and they find themselves before the very brother they planned on killing and that they had sold into slavery. And Joseph at that point has has a decision to make. He can pay them back for everything that they've done or he can forgive them and be a help to them. Joseph knew that his calling and the place that God had put in him was more important than holding a grudge. And I will say to you this morning that God's place that He has for you is more important than holding a grudge. It's more important than losing position with God to hold on or to get somebody back or to make things straight or to punish someone for what they've done. Any of that junk needs to be let go because the cause is greater than that, than that issue of unforgiveness. But I would propose to you that Joseph didn't forgive in the moment that his brother stood before him. I would propose to you that Joseph forgave many, many years prior to that. And the reason that he was standing in the place that he was is not because someone asked him to forgive them and he forgave them, but because he decided to forgive them regardless of whether they asked or not, whether they meant it or not, whether they even had any remorse or not. And so it, it only takes one person to forgive. You're not bound to anybody else to give forgiveness. You can simply forgive them exactly where you are in this moment. Here's here's what the scripture says in John 20 and 23. It says, if you forgive the sins of any, they they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now here's what the message version of that scripture says, and I love the way it puts it. It says, if you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? Isn't that good? What are you doing with them? What are you going to do with the sins that that you're carrying around with you, with somebody else's junk and baggage that you're carrying around with you, with somebody else's offenses? What are you going to do with them? The only thing you're going to do with them is get weighted down. Unforgiveness acts like a savings account with compounding interest. It just keeps adding up and adding up and adding up to the point that it becomes so much baggage that weighs you down and breaks you down and ultimately destroys lives. So let forgiveness flourish in your life. Let forgiveness flourish in your home. Forgive it and forget it. If you say you forgive someone, don't bring it up the next argument. Amen? 
you know, we get historical a lot of times in arguments. Not hysterical, historical. And, and we recount and we recall every offense that happened from the time we've been married over the last 25 years. Don't tell me you've forgiven that if you're still bringing it up. You know, the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians 13 that love keeps no record of wrongs. And so if we've got a record of wrongs, then we're not loving. We're not truly loving one another. Forgiveness. And the last thing is this, you've got to value your extended family. You know, we've talked a lot about households because I want to drive this point home about the household, that we have to start there. But my intention is not to undervalue or devalue the importance uh, of the extended family. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, even friends are extremely important to our lives. I hope you understand that and know that. Some of you couldn't even make it without your extended family that are truly partners with you uh, in life and for your household. And, and, but that's the deal right there. That extended family must be partners to you. They must be partners to your family and they are contributing to the well-being of the household. Too many times, extended family, instead of being partners, are intruders or pillagers instead. They come in disrupting the household, taking from the household instead of being contributors to the household. So the litmus test for us is that they must add and not subtract. Likewise, if it's a partnership, then you have to add and not subtract too. It works both ways. Appreciate what they do for you, but also show them appreciation by doing for them and their household. You know, there, no relationship should be a one-way street. It doesn't matter what the relationship is, it shouldn't be a one-way street. If I'm the only beneficiary in this relationship, then what that is is parasitic. That's what that is. That, that's me sucking the life out of somebody else and not giving them anything back. It always should be mutual. And it should always work to benefit both parties in the situation. If extended family is robbing resources from your household, disrupting your flow, taking your peace, creating dysfunction in any way, then you have to draw the line somewhere. Again, priorities. Now let me say also that not every resource is measured in tangibles. and it's not, not everything's measured in resources and intangibles. Sometimes there's a thing called respect and honor. And we have the responsibility to take care of elderly parents and family members who cannot physically or mentally take care of themselves. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the 30-year-old son who lives in the basement eating you out of house and home because he will not work. And if that's going on, that's got to stop. We have a responsibility to do for others who cannot, who cannot do for themselves. We are not to do for others that what they can do for themselves. Especially at the detriment of our own household. Family, family is vitally important. Extended family is vitally important. Not all family is blood related either. Sometimes it's the, it's the people that we're in spiritual community with, our church family, people that are knit with us at the heart. Jonathan and David are a prime example of this. They weren't blood related, but they were brothers at the heart. It says in 1 Samuel 18, 1, Now when he finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. People that are knit at the heart, 
He loved him as, as his own, Jonathan and David, people that we love as our own soul. Those are the people that become family. Sometimes your true family is not your blood family. Sometimes it's just people that God has put in your path and God has put in your life that are knit at the heart with you and have become partners with you in life. Jesus talked about this himself. In Mark 3.33, he says that he answered them saying, Who is my mother and my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat by him and he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus knew that sometimes the best family is our spiritual family. The best family sometimes comes from our spiritual community. I love our river family because we are actually family. And I have people that I'm knit at the heart with, that we do life together, that are partners with me and I'm partners with them. And it is a beautiful thing when God brings people like that together. April and I have been in ministry for almost 20 years. And we have not lived where our family has lived for the majority of that time. And so there's been a lot of times where we didn't really have any family. But our church became our family. They became grandparents to our our kids. They became uncles and aunts to our kids. They became brothers and sisters to us. And the fact of the matter is there's been a lot of times we wouldn't have made it without them. So I'm thankful for that. Let God bring some people like that into your life as well. Let God bring some partners along the way that will help you to grow and to be the best kind of person that you can be and to have the best kind of healthy family that you can have. Would you stand with me across the place this morning? Amber, would you go ahead and come? As we kind of close out this series this morning, I want to, uh, we're going to just pray together and I want to pray over you this morning. But uh, I just want to challenge you with this last message. Know your priorities. Protect your peace. Make sure forgiveness is a part of your family structure. And beyond that, you know, value the people in your life that are true partners with you. And you be a partner to somebody as well. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place. Before I begin to pray over you concerning this series and this things that we've talked about, I want to give anyone here an opportunity that does not know Christ, an opportunity to receive Him as their Lord and Savior. Everything that we've discussed in this series has started with the reality that it begins with Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. That nothing works without Christ in our lives. And so if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I stand with God. I'm not sure that I even have a real relationship with God. Or if, even if I do have a relationship with God, I'm not letting Him help me and guide me and direct me. I'm just kind of doing this on my own. I understand the importance of having Him as my biblical foundation. Because unless I build on that rock, Jesus Christ the house is subject to fall and fail. So today, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as my Savior, would you just slip your hand up in the air and put it right back down and just signify that to me. Just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to give my heart to God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Him to direct me from this point on. Would there be someone in this room today that says, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. Don't leave this place unsure of where you stand with God. 
Because if you leave unsure of where you stand with God, listen, your outcome can only be unsure as well. The end result can only be unsure as well. And so do you know Christ? If not, then simply put your hand up and put it right back down and just signify that to me this morning. Amen. Well, just pray with me this morning across this place. God, if there's someone here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, your word says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, Father, we're asking today that, Lord, you would give them courage, give them strength to recognize where they stand and make a decision in this moment that will change the outcome and the direction of their life, that it will put them in a pathway towards blessing and the fulfillment of promises that you have given to us in Scripture. Lord, without you, we can never make our way to those promises and we can never become people that are blessed. It just doesn't work because you're the door, you're the pathway, you're the way that we get to those things. And so, Father, if there's someone here today that does not know you, I pray that they would just simply call upon your name, ask you to be their Lord and Savior, and give their life to you this morning. We thank you for their soul that's being saved in this moment. In Jesus' name. For everyone else in this room, I want you just to grab the hand of someone next to you. And I'm just going to pray a blessing over you and your family. Because I do believe that God has challenged us in the beginning of this series to really give some teaching and some direction that would fortify and strengthen our families and our homes. Strong families make a difference in community and society. And they certainly make a difference in a church. And so we're praying for that this morning. God, I pray the blessing of God over each and every family in this church. I pray that everywhere the enemy has tried to come in and disrupt and destroy, I come against that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, God, you begin to lift up a standard by the power of your Holy Spirit. That culture would not invade our households, Lord. But instead, you would help us to fortify those with the blood of Jesus Christ, with the promises of your word, with the principles of your word, God, that we would build our house on a firm foundation, on the rock that does not waver, that does not crack under pressure, that does not fade. Lord, I pray that, God, where there is dysfunction, that you would bring healing and you would bring... um, restoration to those places. I pray that, God, where there is uh, confusion, that you would bring order and that you would begin to put pieces back together and help us to prioritize our lives in such a way that it directs an outcome, Lord, toward your promise. I pray that, God, where there is hurt, that, Father, you would begin to heal and you begin to mend and you begin to work in those areas. That, Lord, where there's fractures in the home, that you begin to bring those places back together bring unity to the home, bring strength to the home. Lord, I pray for marriages today in this place. Lord, for every husband and wife in this room today, God, I just pray that, Lord, you would strengthen their marriage, that you would surround them with the grace of God, that they would be quick to forgive one another, Lord, and that, God, we would walk in the grace that brings us into the complete unity that you intended for us to live in. Lord, I pray for any fractures between parents and children. I pray that God you would begin to repair that. Build relationships. Begin to cause new life to flourish in those areas, Father, where the enemy has lied and convinced us of that lie. I pray that the truth be brought to that situation. Heal homes. Heal hearts. Make us strong in you today. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself